possibility of evil has turned into the reality of evil, and now God has to let that reality play out. You, as an individual, have the power to influence the almighty creator's mind. And that, if that isn't powerful, then I don't know what is. Hey, everybody. Hey, I'm Johnny. This is Michael. And we are here back with our podcast, Where's God? Where we're tackling evil and how God shows up in the middle of it all. Johnny, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good, Michael. Thank you for asking. You're so considerate. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Uh, I'm excited to be back in the saddle, so to speak. Uh, mm -hmm. We took a week off from our normal schedule and uh, just to kind of, I guess, focus on our real jobs because I guess pro <laughs> podcasting's not a full-time job. Hey, this is a real job to me, Michael. <laughs> but yeah, on the real, um, at least for me, like last week was kind of hard uh, mentally. Yeah. Uh, yep. Been really up and down. And uh, Michael and I just decided, you know, our life is important. We need to take care of ourselves. So we mm -hmm. took a week off the podcast. Sorry if you were looking forward to it. If you weren't, you know, it doesn't matter and you don't feel any of the pain. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, before we jump in, though, we want to give a special a special shout out, don't we? Yes, we do. Um, along the topic of uh, trying to balance life and figure out what's good for our health, we've got a good friend of ours by the name of Billy Hungate, mm -hmm. and he is doing, in the month of May, 31 podcasts. Cannot believe that he's doing all that, all the interviews and recording, and his podcast is called The Life Project. Mm -hmm. Really, really good podcast. Uh, I don't know why, but he invited Michael and I to join some of those interviews. <laughs> so <laughs> if you if you want to check out more, more stuff over there, highly recommend it. Billy is excellent at organizing. His interview yeah. style is very, you know, very chill, but... You know, he's really good at bringing out tough topics in a conversational way. So highly encourage listening to Billy's podcast, The Life Project. And his podcast is all about what it's like to actually be an authentic Christian and to, to share faith, hope, and love. And he's talking to all sorts of people about their life practices, about how they connect with God, how they connect with others, and how God's been working in their lives so far. Mm -hmm. So definitely a recommended listen and no, we're not paid to do this. So Billy, this one's for you. <laughs> if I could do sound effects right now, I'd go. Okay, I just made my own sound effect. <laughs> but now we're transitioning into our main question for today. So Michael, does God change his mind? And I know, I know you're looking at the title for the Ooh. episode and I know you yeah. want to say it. So do it. <laughs> <laughs> humans change god's mind that's the title of today's episode mm. Mm. and that's kind of a, a spicy one off the bat because a lot of people don't think that god god's mind can be changed they're i i they're the way they think about god doesn't allow mm. for that yeah and i think that is a whole episode by itself but we're kind of gonna skim yes. over that uh mindset and jump into some just quick presuppositions just to give a um like a structure of how we're going to go through today. We're going to paint the picture a little bit about what we believe, and then we're going to dive into scripture to see, okay, so let's look at some narratives. How does God change his mind? Does he change his mind? That kind of thing. So mm -hmm. one of the first things I want to make sure that we say right off the bat is that free will exists. We believe free will exists. 
So, Michael, what do you mean by free will? I was about to ask you to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> Should we rock paper scissors real quick? No, just kidding. So, free will is the the concept that uh, that we are all um, created beings who are free moral agents, which means we have the agency to be able to make decisions for ourselves that have impact on the universe, on our living conditions, and on other people. And that we are given the opportunity to make significant decisions that alter history in a meaningful way. So you're saying if God was a middle manager, he would not be micromanaging you. He'd be giving you full autonomy of the department, being able to change things the way that you see fit, even if he would do it a different way. That is correct. That's absolutely right. What's difficult about all this is that um, we have this idea that God knows the beginning from the end. And so if he knows the beginning from the end, then some people think that he might have determined the beginning from the end and that God creating the world, uh, he may have created evil and created all this stuff. So how do we how do we kind of balance some of that, Johnny? Yeah, that's a great question. I just have to say right off the bat that I reject any idea that God created evil. Um, that, Mm. that does not make sense with what I read in scripture. It doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. when I just think about my idea of God. And Mm -hmm. I just want to recognize that like we stated in other, other episodes, evil does not have to exist for love to exist. And, Mm. you know, something I really want to again, make clear is that our destiny, our future, our, you know, the grand plan, you know, sometimes we hear it called the universe's plan for my, myself. You know, I don't think that's decided. I think the whole Christian narrative of looking at what Jesus did before he came as a human, as he came as a human, and what he is trying to do for us now is one simple thing. Yeah. And that's the restoration of choice. Mm. So, Michael, what would life had looked like for our choice if Jesus didn't do what he did? That's a deep question. Um, I think you're referencing here the, the idea that Jesus died for us and he was resurrected. And ultimately at the end of the day, if Jesus hadn't done that, then we would have been, uh, pardon the French damned for eternity. We would have no hope, uh, because we can't, uh, free ourselves from a wet paper bag. Um, because we, (laughs) we are fallen human beings, uh, created by God originally, but fallen human beings who can't save ourselves. And we're going to get there at the end of this episode, but ultimately we're going to have a choice. We have a choice whether we want to follow Jesus and follow the ways of God or not. And that has incredible bearing on our lives. Yeah, I kind of threw a, a big you know, curveball at you there. You didn't expect that. <laughs> no, I didn't. But, <laughs> but you handled it well. You know, if I could give you some applause without, you know, making the audio sound bad, I would do that. But <laughs> I'll put it in, a, I'll put it in the, the post-production. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know about you, Michael, but whenever I watch like, you know, a movie or TV shows, mm-hmm. um, there always seems to be this constant tension mm-hmm. between destiny and free will. Yeah. And it o- often seems like destiny is presented as, the the god view yeah 
it, it, it's portrayed as God is the one who's in control, so don't go against destiny. And I've, you hear all these analogies like, you know, there's a river that's going a certain way. If you block it, the river's going to do everything it can to go back how it was. You know, these kinds of things that the flow of time, so to mm-hmm. speak, is set. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the Christian narrative falls into that. But I actually, and I think you are saying the same thing, disagree with that. Yeah. And I think that we have the ability to choose how the river flows. I don't know. What are some things you've heard people say, Michael, along the lines of, oh, you know, my destiny is is already set. Oh, yeah. There's the, like, the stars have aligned or God wanted it this way. Um, a big one, particularly in the high school and the college scene, is she's my soulmate um, or <laughs> he's the one. Uh, and we think about, you know, the, the choices that we have. There's a million possibilities out there for particularly in marriage or for a life partner of people that we could be with. Um, I don't necessarily think that there is the one because um, God has made us human beings who have free choices and we can decide to make things work or not. Now there are, you know, personalities and people that we're going to be more compatible with and that life is going to be a little bit better and easier to follow, but there's not the one destiny that God has called us for. There's places, and we're going to look at it in the Bible in just a moment, that God actually opens up options and he invites humans humanity inside the conversation of what to do with the world. And he said, okay, now you make a decision. He's not one to hold all the decisions for himself. His his decisions that he makes, but he also invites humanity into that decision as well. Mm. I love that. He invites humanity into that decision. Mm. And to me, that really, this isn't, this isn't where we're going. I'm kind of going down a rabbit hole, but I'm going to come <laughs> right back, I promise. <laughs> to me, that really paints a beautiful image of who God mm-hmm. is. The fact that he knows what's best. Yeah. He knows what would be best for you. And yet he allows you to choose for yourself. Mm. And I don't know about you, but whenever I make a mistake, I learn much better than if someone says, hey, don't do that because this will happen. I'm like, oh, yeah, I did break my leg when I jumped off that playground. You know, (laughs) (laughs) that is what happened. Oh, yeah. okay, next time I won't do that. So it doesn't matter what people say. God understands that we learn. We're very kinesthetic learners that we must experience what it's like Mm -hmm. to live outside of his love so that we know how beautiful Mm -hmm. and filling it is to live inside his love Mm, that's interesting but my question that as you you've rabbit holed us and then you've brought us back my question (laughs) about that is why is that experience necessary for humanity why do we have to experience not god's love in order to understand god's love better Mm. you know i said that and you asked me that question and now I'm thinking that I would change the way I phrase that because I don't think it's required for us to experience not God's love because there are, if you believe um, that there are angels in heaven, then Mm -hmm. there are angels in heaven who have never left God's presence and still they know God's love. So so Mm -hmm. we have as humanity a unique position where we have Mm -hmm. chosen as a mm-hmm. species, however, whatever you, you know, description you want to use there, um, mm-hmm. to leave God's love. And our presupposition here, which we're going to get to in a little bit, is Adam and Eve's choice in the Garden of Eden. 
And because of that, mm -hmm. we as a corporate group have decided to leave God's love. So we have the unique ability mm -hmm. that God has given us to choose to mm -hmm. join back into that love. Because we had the choice in the beginning mm -hmm. and we left. Right. And now God restored the yeah. choice to go back to how it was. Yeah. No, I like how, I like how you put it. Um, and to kind of tie in a little bit, there's this guy by the name of Dr. John Peckham. I don't know if you've heard of him. Of, <laughs> we've uh, never talked about so him before. <laughs> I don't think we've talked about him before. Uh, he says in uh, The Odyssey of Love, uh, in page nine of his book, he says, if God is committed to respecting the free will of humans, what God can bring about uh, will be limited by the free decisions of humans. So what God can bring about will be limited by the free decisions of humans. So God's wanting us to be in perfect relationship with him to experience his love, but he is limited by the fact that we have free choice. And uh, Peckham also continues on to quote um, Plantinga, who is a, a philosopher uh, within the last uh, 100 years uh, or so. Uh, he states the, the matter simply, if God grants free will to Maurice with respect to a particular action, then whether or not he actually performs the action is up to Maurice, not God. Hmm. Yeah, I'm just processing that. Yeah, it's I a big quote. Yeah. So I, I always like to try to think of a an analogy for these kinds mm -hmm. of things to try to make sure <laughs> I'm understanding this correctly. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I'm thinking, man, my analogies are always food related, it feels like. But like <laughs> if uh if someone gives me a cake. You know, yeah. I don't have to eat it, right? I can choose right. to not eat it. But dude, if I have a cake, I want to eat it. Yeah. But I don't have to. Right. That is a really dumb analogy. But like, so I, just I, I because like, you have the cake doesn't mean you need to eat it. But it makes it a whole lot harder to not eat it if you have it. Yes. Yes. And, you know, <laughs> we, we could talk about this because honestly, Michael and I love talking about this topic. But I think yeah. it's really important. We had we had some other things we wanted to dive into, but I think we should just jump right into the scriptural examples and stories. What do you think, Michael? Yeah, I think um, we got to start with Genesis chapter one, two, and three, which are the the very beginning of creation. It's the biblical account of how God brought things into into being and how humanity decided to go away from that. And there's Kind of some, we talked about it in the last episode with our wives, the rules of engagement that go into play with this very opening account mm. of how creation is brought about. Mm. Yeah, oh, the rules of engagement, such a such an awesome topic. So, you know, <laughs> as you know, there's a, there's a tree, right? In the middle of the mm -hmm. garden, knowledge mm -hmm. that has the knowledge of good and evil. So... What? there's so many questions just thinking about this story i have so many questions and the obvious ones are why is that tree there why are they told not to eat yeah. of it why is the serpent mm -hmm. there why can the serpent mm -hmm. talk why what yeah. what what is the cause of death from eating a fruit it sounds insanely ridiculous and the consequences seem outrageously intense for such a small mm -hmm. action what what in the world's going on here I think there's got to be, and we talked about this last episode, so if you haven't listened to in Invisible War yet, you need to do that, uh, but there's something bigger going on here, and there's got to be some divine council that meets and establishes the rules for God's creating this perfect humanity. Uh, by the way things are set up, it sounds like Satan has already fallen, 
the the possibility of evil has turned into the reality of evil and now god has to let that reality play out because if he's a god that just jumps in and completely wipes evil off the planet then he's not a just god because he didn't allow it to fairly play out and so there's some rules that are established that for our world in the beginning they decided okay there's going to be this tree in this garden and that's going to be the place that Satan, that Lucifer, the serpent, can hang out. And if humanity decides to go over and talk to the serpent and to investigate that and to choose that, then humanity has the free moral choice to be able to do so. But in the midst of all that, it's incredible to think about humanity giving up a knowledge and an experience and a walking daily with God for the possibility of something that they didn't even they didn't even know it was around the corner and they thought the the serpent had something better for them but they he really didn't so are you implying that adam and eve changed god's mind in a negative way so god created mm -hmm. humans perfectly right mm -hmm. he created them to have this beautiful relationship with each other but also with him like a a, mm -hmm. a three-way relationship and mm -hmm. it seems like they changed god's mind in the sense that they chose to not be in that relationship and God allowed them to choose that. And yes. the fall was their choice, not something God had decided. Yes. He allowed the possibility for them to choose something other than him. And he limited himself to their decisions. And that, that blows That's my crazy, mind, dude. quite frankly. Because yeah. <laughs> if I were God and if I were in his position, I'd be like, no, I don't want to have the possibility of evil because I want good to happen all the time. But by doing that, no longer are it no longer can love be love because love is built on uh, a mutual respect of boundaries and on the ability for you to freely choose it and not be forced to because of consequence. Right, right. And that's beautiful. And we could talk about that that story all day. But are there other stories maybe that we're we're thinking of here? Maybe maybe something yeah. like Abraham. Hint hint. <laughs> <laughs> You're uh, pretending like I don't have our notes in front of me either. <laughs> so there's a story in uh, Genesis chapter 18 and 19. Uh, there's this guy by the name of Abraham who's uh, kind of this chosen dude who's going to have this chosen race and God's going to bless him and and uh, just do incredible things through him. And there's this moment in time after God has has told Abraham, who this guy's close to 100 years old now, he's like, you're going to have a son. And uh, Sarah is close to a 90 or 100 year old, his wife, and she's like, ah, laughs, and how am I going to have a son? And I'm this old and whatnot. And then God's about to leave and he's like, no, this, this is actually going to happen, but I want to tell you something before I go. And he takes Abraham over to this hill overlooking uh, this valley and he says, look over there, there's Sodom and Gomorrah and I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of their wickedness. Uh, and uh, he tells Abraham in the midst of this, the reason why I'm telling this is because I have chosen you. And this is uh, verse 19 of chapter 18 in Genesis. I've chosen you so that you may command your children and your household after you to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring upon you, Abraham, what he has spoken about you. And so Abraham at this point is is got the commission. He's been told by God what he's supposed to do in his life. And then God leaves, 
And in verse 21, the men turned away from and went towards Sodom while Abraham was still standing before the Lord. And this isn't the best interpretation of the Hebrew passage here. A better translation would to say that God was still standing before Abraham. And in this moment, it's almost as if God is inviting Abraham something about Sodom and Gomorrah because he's told him that he's supposed to, he's a chosen dude. And so he's supposed to bring about righteousness and justice. And he's inviting Abraham in to exact justice and righteousness. And then Abraham continues on in Genesis 18, and it's the case where he says, okay, if there's only 50 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, will you not destroy? If there's only 45, 40, 30, 20, 10, God says, no, okay, if there's only 10 people that are righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah, I'm not going to destroy it. And, and in that moment, God invites Abraham into the disking process and invites Abraham to be uh, an influencer upon God's heart and upon God's mind. I, I love that mental image. I just imagine God leaning forward, like, hey, change my mind, dude. Come on, change my mind. And just so you know, if you heard some laughing in the background, I was definitely messing with Michael there. Um, <laughs> we have in our show notes here, uh, you know, Abraham. So he said chosen dude, and I thought it was hilarious. So I, <laughs> I wrote chosen dude next to Abraham and then made it like super large font. So yeah, we, we're just we're just having fun as we're going through. We're messing this, uh, with each other. This yeah, is great. it's good. It's good. <laughs> but no, I love that example. I love the way you painted that, Michael. Another thing that comes to mind is the plagues of Egypt mm-hmm. with with Pharaoh, and I think there's a strong argument that could be made that it was God's will, His ideal will, so to speak, that none of the plagues happened. I don't think God wanted any of those plagues to happen. However, He respects free will enough, and with the warning that these things could happen that he allowed Pharaoh to make this choice for his entire nation. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting. When you look at the narrative, I don't know if it's a one-to-one-to-one split, but you have representation of God hardening Pharaoh's heart. Yes, so that looks like God is taking control of the situation. However, you also have instances of his heart being hardened, which is very neutral. It's not. It doesn't show the subject of... Uh, I mean, who is causing that verb to the subject, which is Pharaoh. And then the last one, as you would expect, is Pharaoh hardening his own heart. So there's, there's this combination going on here where, yeah, God is involved in our choices, but he also allows our choices to be made by us. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't undermine, I, I would argue, it doesn't undermine, you know, free will, as, as we have described it. It doesn't undermine... God's providence, which I don't know if we've really painted that picture too much. Maybe we will later. God's providence is, uh, Michael, how would you, how would you kind of just describe God's providence, especially in relation to the conversation we're having now? Oh, I think there's a, there's a difference between God's ideal will, um, his perfect will and his providence. There's things that God wants to bring about, but he allows humanity to interact with it in such a way that, uh, that, we have legitimate influence over what happens in our world. And so through God's providence, it's kind of the mixing of his, of his wisdom and his understanding with um, human moral decisions. And God can use those in incredible ways to bring about his will, to bring about his providence. Uh, mm-hmm. Something that jumps into my mind, and the, the reference is a little bit fuzzy. I'll have to put it in the show notes. But in Revelation, um, at the closing of Earth's history, God, uh, the, the, the evil kingdom is trying to, to, to do something and to destroy a group of people. And God actually uses their evil intentions for good. 
the same thing happens with Joseph at the end of Joseph's uh, life in, in Genesis chapter 50, uh, where his brothers sold him and were just sick of him because he was a dreamer and they tried to get rid of him. And at the end of it, they're scared because he's in power and he could kill them. He says, no, what you intended for evil, God used for good. And so even in the midst of everything going on, God can sometimes use us even in spite of us and in spite of our actions. It's like God is an expert at turning crap into fertilizer. Yes. <laughs> so, so that way good stuff grows out of ugly things that is yeah. literally biological waste. <laughs> so we've been kind of setting all of this up for the ultimate example that we yes. believe is the representation of God's, I, we could say God's curation, his intentional mm. curation of choice. And it's Jesus. Yeah. Simply, it's Jesus. Yeah. The fact that, like, I, I can't even wrap my head around this. Every time I talk about it or think about it, it blows my mind. The fact that an all-knowing, all-powerful God Mm-hmm. would become a human, and not only that, but would become a human after the consequences of the fall, the choice to exit that covenantal relationship with him mm-hmm. is just influencing his body, his mind, and still he comes, enters into our context yeah. for the sole purpose of allowing us to have the choice to choose him. So he yeah. didn't come to force us to join him, as some Christians may want you to believe that you must make this choice. But God respects choice so much that he even encourages you to have the ability to not choose him. Can humans change God's mind? Absolutely. Uh, We do it every day. And we then have the opportunity to choose God, to make an opportunity, to stand up and to say, hey, I'm, I'm making a choice for Jesus. I'm making a choice for God. And each time that we do that, we draw a little bit closer to God and get a little bit closer to a fuller understanding of a picture of his heart mm. and uh, what he ultimately wants for us. And so, dear listener, we leave this with you today. What are you going to do with your choice? Yeah, beautifully stated. Choose choice. It sounds very <laughs> cliche, but it really is a beautiful concept. You always, always, always have a choice. And it's as simple as that. I don't really feel like I can add anything to what Michael said. I just, <laughs> I hope, I hope you, like, like we are starting to understand, are able to see the magnitude of what your life is. You, as an individual, have the power to influence the almighty creator's mind. And that, if that isn't powerful, then I don't know what is. Thank you guys so much for listening today. Uh, We hope this episode was a blessing for you as it was for us. encourage you to continue the conversation over on our Twitter and our Instagram at Johnny, where we had sending people to. At Where's God Pod. Oh, was I supposed to say more? Okay. Yeah, I mean, where's... (laughs) (laughs) Just... (laughs) I think we should just end it there. Thank you guys for listening. I... (laughs) (laughs) I hope you have a great week. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Oh, man.